0: The following is a Pro Football Network podcast. The primary voice for pro football at profootballnetwork.com. I
1: always say the hardest thing for an athlete is trying to figure out a substitute for those juices during the game. And what Mm -hmm. I mean by that is there's nothing out here that can replicate, you know, 70,000, 80,000 people cheering you on or booing you. There's just nothing out there like that. And so I think it's so important for guys to, you know, during their during their playing career, not when it's over, but yeah. during their playing career to find a passion, find something that's really gonna mean something to them, man, because so many guys have their identity ties and tied in football, and when your playing days are done, guess what, it is over. It's like the NFL just, you know, just cuts the umbilical cord and it's done.
2: Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into another uh, More Than Football podcast here on the Pro Football Network. Trey Wingo here with you. Delighted to be joined uh, this week by uh, one of my longtime friends from my work days at ESPN. One of the guys who hit the, hit, hit the bag thrice uh, with contracts as an offensive lineman, so you know he's a champion as well as a Super Bowl champion. Talking about uh, great offensive lineman and a great <laughs> analyst, Damian Woody. What's up, big man? How we doing? I'm good, brother man. How you doing? Doing good, doing good. Um, I thought this was a good week to get in touch with you in light of what we've seen go on around the league. And let's start with New England. When when the Patriots started 2-4, and four, what was your honest evaluation of that team?
1: I wasn't in panic mode. I wasn't in panic mode like a lot of people because, you know, the one thing from my New England days is Bill always just say that we need to be playing our best ball come November, particularly around Thanksgiving. So, you know, when you have, you know, rookie quarterback – New pieces that you know, free agents, guys opting back in. You know, sometimes it takes a little while to get get you know get everything smoothed over. Um, so I wasn't in panic mode. I was just like, you know what? Let's see what the page look, look like in November. And lo and behold, that's when the pages start hitting their stride.
2: Well, well, here they are riding a seven game winning streak. They are right now the number one seed in the AFC. They went to Buffalo and just smashed them. And and you had some really good points. Uh, that you put out there on Twitter before and during the game. The one before is trust me, nobody likes these games. Everything hurts, which was very honest and I appreciate that. Uh but the other one was that was they just punked them, right? I mean, basically the Patriots refused to throw. They threw it <laughs> they threw it three times and they basically said You're, you you have an 8-9 man box, we don't care. We're running against it anyway. What does that say to you about where this team is and where they believe they can go?
1: Well, I think that it says they know they understand who they are and what their strengths are. You know, coming into the season, their strength was their offensive line. Uh, their offensive line unit is one of the best units in the National Football League. And, you know, obviously, you know, going to the season, the defense was going to be a strength as well. So, in the game played in the elements like it was in Buffalo. Everyone saw, like, how the wind was swirling and the balls were just flying all over the place. Bill was like, you know, what the heck with this? Why am I going to put... My rookie quarterback in harm's way, but you know, throwing the ball when I got one of the best lines in the league and I got, you know, a three headed monster in the backfield uh, that we can just bludgeon people. And then clearly watching Buffalo's defense, you know, whether it was the Tennessee Titans, albeit they won, but they surrendered a lot of rushing yards. And and then uh, against the Indianapolis Colts, where Jonathan Taylor just ran wild, Bill just probably took out his 1950 you know, playbook from the Naval Academy that his dad had and said, look, Josh, just run these three plays and and bring us to glory. And that's basically what happened up in Buffalo. Uh,
2: To me, it was an indication of the the Bill Belichick model, for lack of a better term, and you know this better than anybody. I'm not going to make this mistake. We're not going to be the team that makes the big mistake. We're going to do things that are fundamentally sound and within our concept and we're gonna let the other team make the big mistake, and I feel like that's exactly how it played out Monday night.
1: Well, you know, Trey, that's that's really the mantra of, of you know New England anyway. Bill yep. used to always tell us, more teams find ways to lose games and win them. And I and uh, you know I had an intro. I think himbo, uh, um, you know, the research up 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 at ESPN, it gave me like an interesting stat. Like New England, Bill Belichick in New England, when they're plus one, it's like. 117 over, like, 22. Some ridiculous stat where if you the turn turnovers. the ball over one time, yeah. if, they, if they win the turnover battle by plus one, they are almost unbeatable.
2: Yeah. They they really are. And before we move on to some other things I want to talk to you about, Buffalo's in a lot of trouble right now because they've lost their home game to the Patriots. they got to go up there in two weeks and, and play them at Foxborough and oh, by the way, this week they got to go to Tampa. Like, if if, a, if there's an emotionally unstable team right now, it's probably Buffalo. Like, really, <laughs> we got to see that guy, Tom Brady, whose teams were 32 and three against us when he was the Patriots' uh, quarterback. And by the way, the Patriots, excuse me, the, the the Bucks are averaging 38.4 points per game at home this season, best in the NFL. Buffalo is in a very, very delicate situation right now.
1: Yeah, the, Trey, that's why I picked the Buffalo Bills as my team that needed to win the most this week because I feel mm-hmm. like from a psychological standpoint, they need this win bad. They need to have this win. And we know Tom Brady has basically, you know how Aaron Rodgers said he owned Chicago? Tom Brady owns Buffalo. Like that's his, you know, he's dominated the Buffalo Bills throughout his uh throughout his career. And, you know, this is going to be a tough, tough ball game for the Buffalo Bills to go on, I think, on the road down to Tampa when Tom Brady is, you know, he's playing at an MVP-type level this year. So, man, this is going to be a crazy couple of weeks for the Buffalo Bills if they don't win these games.
2: Yeah, they may need to win both of them. I mean, to be to be honest about it with the way other teams are charging in the AFC, and we'll get to that in a minute. But as a former offensive lineman, it's clear that New England's offensive line is a big part of their success. I'm just curious what other offensive lines have you seen so far this season that have really impressed you
1: yeah there's been a couple trade. one is uh Indianapolis you know that unit um, they've had a couple injuries this year um you know Quint Nelson has miss- missed a little time but that unit in Indianapolis man you're talking about imposing their will on people yeah. they have been just playing lights out and then obviously when you have a talented back like Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, it's just uh, it's just a treat to watch, um, man. There's there's a lot of uh, Tampa Bay has a good line. I think yeah. Tampa Bay. You know what makes their their line so so good is not only do they have top tier talent, but they've played every snap together. Yeah, that's part of what makes offensive line play so good when you have that continuity where guys don't miss. They have basically been playing together for two years now so they are one of the best units in the league
2: yeah it's so important that you say that because for example the one of the greatest offensive lines in the history of football would be that dallas cowboys offensive line of the 90s and in 90 and 91 they were the same five guys and they were terrible like there was a game where tragan got sacked i think nine or eight times by the eagles and it was the same five guys that would later form what's known to be the great wall of Dallas. So. Continuity up front, I think, is something that don't a lot of people don't pay attention to. Maybe they're starting to pay attention to now. It feels like Damien, over the last couple of years, people are finally giving a little more respect to the offensive line instead of this Madden style football that we've been in. Do, do you feel like more people are understanding how important that offensive line is to a team's success these days?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because what we're seeing is, you know, the you know Trey, I always say, you know, what's what's old is new. And what we're seeing is, you know, all these, you know, some of these teams going around, you know, running spread offenses. And guess what? New England is basically just lining up old school and bludgeoning people. You know what I mean? Like Indianapolis lining up bludgeoning people because at the end of the day, Trey, the best teams that, that usually rise to the top, they have one thing and they have a couple things in common. One, Pretty good quarterback play, I think most people would agree. Sure. But more importantly, offensive line play, because those are the things that you can take anywhere—dome, heat, cold. When you have a good offensive line, you can it travels anywhere, and uh, that you know I think people have more of appreciation for it right now.
2: One of the biggest rebuilds on the offensive line this offseason was in Kansas City where they shuffled the entire deck, and here we are. A lot of people said the Chiefs were dead at three and four. They've won five straight, uh, and they're playing the Raiders at home, and the Raiders are a mess right now on Sunday. Where are you on, on the shuffle on the offensive line in Kansas City and how successful you think that's been?
1: I think uh, I, I'm, I'm very impressed by the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line. You know, anytime you got – got a couple good young pups – um, up front on the offensive line, obviously Creed, Creed Humphrey, the center. I mean, you could make a case. Arguably, he's the best center in the game. He's been yeah. playing that well. And then, the, uh, then their their right guard who, out of Tennessee, he has just been a he's been a monster as well. Um, so listen, I, I got to give a lot of credit to the Kansas City Chiefs for recognizing that after the Super Bowl, we need to tear this whole thing down. We yeah. need to tear it down because we've invested too much in that quarterback. And we got to make sure that our guys up front, you know, are the, the one, going to be the one of the keys to help us ultimately get back to the get back to a Super Bowl. So they rebuilt the whole thing, and that's a big part of the reason why the Kansas City Chiefs are maybe the most dangerous team in the AFC.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask you that next because obviously we we know where you uh, your feelings about the Patriots and, and being in that system. But it is a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones. If push comes to shove and somehow these two teams uh, meet up with everything on the line, where would you be leaning?
1: I would probably lean towards uh, Kansas City only because the one thing we haven't seen from Matt Jones is we haven't seen him in a shootout with a quarterback. Like, yeah. I know they had, you know, Dallas early in the season and and uh, that that was a really entertaining game and ultimately the Dallas Cowboys won. But at this late juncture in the season, I haven't really seen the Patriots be forced in a situation where the quarterback needs to needs to win the game for them. Um, I think that's really the only thing that's missing, you know, from Mac Jones and and the Patriots in particular. I mean, when you're going against, you know, Patrick Mahomes, man, at some point you're probably going to have to get into a shootout with them. And I know the Kansas City Chiefs offense hasn't been firing on all cylinders like in the past, but I got to get an edge to the cheats only because of the
0: quarterback position. Don't worry, everybody. We will get back in just a second. But the first thing I want to tell you about is why I love to explore new wines and who I love to do it with. See, the challenge is that I'm always not sure what to get when I go into a liquor store or wine store to pick out wines for a holiday, get together, whatever the case is. That's why I trust First Leaf to make this easy for me. All I have to do is fill out a five-minute quiz and First Leaf gets a unique taste preference for me, personalized, and then they send me wine to my door. First Leaf winemakers are sampling over 10,000 wines a year across five different continents and 12 countries. With that type of dedication, the ease at which the process becomes going with First Leaf, it's a no-brainer while they're the choice that I go with. Now, the great thing is here at Pro Football Network and more than football with myself and Trey Wingo, we're giving you guys a great offer to get in on this experience that I've been lucky enough to be doing for quite some time now. All you have to do to get six bottles of wine for $29.95 with free shipping. That's less than $5 a bottle, by the way, okay? All you gotta do, go to tryfirstleaf.com slash pro football. That's right. All you have to do, Try firstleaf.com slash pro football, and you're going to get six bottles of wine for $29.95 with free shipping. But here's the thing. That's not all you're getting. You're getting a personalized wine selection process that takes less than five minutes, and you're never going to have to worry about, am I doing this right? Am I paying too much? Am I paying too little? You don't got to do that anymore. Try firstleaf.com slash pro football, and we got you covered with Pro Football Network and First Leaf.
2: Yeah, this just in, if you can win a lot of different ways, another Bill Belichick mantra, you will be fine. And that's what we're seeing with Kansas City. The defense, the last four games have been great. And they found a running game, uh, which is also something that's <laughs> taken a little pressure off of uh, off of uh, Patrick Mahomes and company. Listen, one of the things that I really yes. enjoy is seeing that are guys that are successful after their career. And again, we mentioned at the top first round pick signed a massive free agent deal with the Lions, and then Rex Ryan gave you a, oh, what the hell, $34 million bonus at the end of your career. So you hit the bag three times. But I'm thrilled to see guys find a calling, (laughs) find a calling after their playing days are over and find something to do. And the reason I, I bring this up is as we're taping this, it's a day after the death of Demarius Thomas at the age of 33 to some medical condition that he had you know, it sent shockwaves through the NFL and especially shockwaves to guys that played with him and against him to see him go at such an early age. Uh, how important is it in your mind for players that have been at the highest level like you were and he was to be able to find something to do once your career is over so you don't just sort of get lost in the wash?
1: Yeah, well, Trey, I think we've had a conversation before where it's just, you know, I always say the hardest thing for an athlete is trying to figure out a substitute for those juices during the game. And what yeah. I mean by that is you can, there's nothing out here that can replicate you know, 70,000, 80,000 people cheering you on or booing you. There's just nothing out there like that. And so I think it's so important for guys to, you know, during their during their playing career, not when it's over, but yeah. during their playing career, to find a passion, find something – that's really gonna mean something to them, man. Because so many guys have their identity ties and tied in football, and when your playing days are done, guess what? It is over. It's like the NFL just, you know, just cuts the umbilical cord, and it's done. And a lot of guys struggle with that. And you know, fortunately for me, I, you know, I worked on a couple different things during my playing career, which allowed for me allowed for me to transition out of the game pretty well. So. You know, that's like my advice for all of these guys, man. Find something to do while you're playing. Don't wait until you're out of the league. Find something to do while you're playing.
2: And when you see someone like Demarius Pass, he would have been 34 on Christmas Day. Like, how much do ex-football players think about their mortality on a day-to-day basis more than, say, a banker or a broadcaster or, you know, a lawyer? Because it's a thing you guys see happen quite a bit
1: you know, I think about it a lot, man, because, you know, we, you know, when you're young in the game man, you think of yourself as a gladiator that nothing can happen to you. But as you get older, particularly at the end of your career, you start thinking like, man, I've subjected my body to so much punishment, so much pain, you know, medication, all these things that you got to do to, to really, you know, play this game of football that we love. And you start thinking about, Man, did I, you know, did I take time off on the back end because of the sacrifices I made to play the game? And I think a lot of guys feel that way. And so for me, it's just like it's really important that, you know, we take care of ourselves. We go, you know, regularly get get checked up and all those type of things. Because, man, just like you said, just seeing Demaryius Thomas gone at the age of thirty three, it's just it's just it's a it's a tough pill to
2: swallow. It is, and especially for guys that played on the line, I think it's it's even a bigger issue because of two things: one, the constant contact, and b, size. I know that with with linemen in particular, when you stop playing, it tends to go one of both ways: either you, you balloon up or you lose a lot of weight. And I know that's something that you've been battling with since your playing days are over. What's that struggle been like for you, and and how important do you realize it is right now with everything that's going on in your life?
1: Yeah. Well, listen, I think, you know, w- w- what happened with, with DT Demaryius Thomas, man, it just brings a, a like a, a focus because it's, it hits home. You know, this is a guy I've I've talked to m- many a time throughout my career and you're thinking, man, this guy was only 33, you know, and here I am, I'm 44 years old and husband and father, seven kids. And, you know, for me, it's just like, okay, I got, you know, I want to live a long time, you know, but there are, you know, things that you constantly have to battle and work on and, and work through to, to, you know, to hopefully get to that point. So for me, it's, it's a, it's every day, every day, you know, just waking up with a purpose of, okay, just continue to work on myself and better myself. And some days are better than others, but you know, that's, you know, that's the really the focus for me. It's just work on myself, get better, try to get better each and every day.
2: Were you a guy that ever had to eat a lot to put on weight or were you just naturally big?
1: No, I was naturally like, I was naturally big. I wasn't one of those guys. You know, I used to tease, uh, like, Alan Fanica, you know, yeah. Big Red, you know, uh, yeah. my teammate with the New York Jets that, you know, when he, when he, when he retired, man, he, like, he lost it like that. And yeah. he, because he was never naturally big, you know, he had to eat and eat and eat to just keep his weight on. And I just, you know, I always talk to Al about, man, I wish I could be like that where, you know, where I had this situation where I had to eat to constantly keep my weight on seemed like the way was always with me, even when I was younger. So we different struggle with different folks, man.
2: Yeah, and I know. And I'm sure it doesn't help when you see a guy like Fanica or frickin' Joe Thomas who looks like an <laughs> underwear model. I'm like, dude, you're killing me right now, right? You're you right. Are absolutely yeah. killing me.
1: <laughs> absolutely, man. But you know what? At the same time, they're inspirations. You know, they're yeah. inspirations because they did it. They did it the right way, and they look great, man. So it's something for me to, like, okay – that's where i want to get to and, and those those guys are two guys that i look up to
2: yeah you know it's, it's funny when you mention fanica I, I forget sometimes how good that offensive line was you guys had with the jets you had fanica you had yourself you had mangold uh you had the the left tackle out of virginia whose name escapes me right now what the was brickishaw his name
1: the brickishaw ferguson yeah the
2: brickishaw ferguson and and yep. what more was on that line I mean, Yep. like Uh, unfortunately that line will always be remembered for one play where, you know, it's not right. And it's not fair. You guys were good, man. That was, that was, that might be one of the most underappreciated offensive lines in the last 20 years in the NFL,
1: man. We, you know, it was a line where everyone on the line had went to a pro bowl. Um, We were, it it was just one of those rare things, man. Allen and I came in, uh, came in free agency and, and Brandon Moore was, he was a defensive lineman that converted to offensive line. Yeah. And then obviously, um, you know, Debrickershaw and, and Nick Mango were high first round picks. So we had a good blend, man, and great chemistry. And, uh, boy, we just – and then Rex Ryan entered the equation and we just grounded grounded, and pounded people to death.
2: Yeah, and what, one of the greatest lines ever. We saw, what, the four teams left. I think it was the first AFC title game. and They rattled off the Colts and where was in the NFC and the – in jets you know? yes. <laughs> <It's just> like,
1: <laughs> right. nobody wanted to see you guys but you were there no one wanted to see us wanted to see us there man but we were we kicked in the door
2: now the other thing that people need to know about you is you are incredibly loyal uh and your passion still shows through like people i think are always going to associate you most with the patriots but like you're you're a jets fan like you really are and you can't shake it no matter how hard you try and there have been some days when i know you wanted to and you can't do it so what is what is your frustration level with that franchise right now Uh, you know
1: what it you know actually trey it, it's um it they actually i think they're finally getting it right this time i, I really so. do and, and i feel like they've said you know what enough with the quick fixes enough with the arranged marriages we're going to reset this thing. It's going to look ugly, but we have a plan. That's the biggest thing is just just talking with Coach Sala. They do have a plan, and it's not pretty because they're playing the most rookies of any team in the league right now. But, you know, the way he's been saying it is like, look, in order for us to get to the other side, it's got to be ugly right now. And, you know, I'm encouraged by that because that hasn't been the case with the Jets for a decade they've been trying to do all these quick fixes and they have like a year of success and then all of a sudden they just they suck again and and it's frustrating man because I do I do love the organization you know for what they did for me and my family while I was there but I think for the first time in a long time they have an actual plan
2: yeah and now they gotta
1: now they gotta execute the plan right that remains to be seen but I think for the first time in like a decade they have an actual plan
2: what is it about Salah that you see that's different? And Joe Douglas, the GM.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, for, you know, for people out there, Joe and I are actually from the same town. I've, I've known Joe Douglas, you know, since, you know, growing up. Um, he went to a rival high school of mine. We played against each other. Got a lot of respect for him. He's obviously been with, you know, some organizations, won a championship um, with Baltimore, Philadelphia. Um, and then with, with Coach Sala, man, it's, he has this eternal optimism about him, and it just permeates, you know, through the whole organization. He, he's he's a glass-half-full type guy. And yeah. you need to have that in New York, to be honest with you. New York is a tough, tough market where I think all the sins of the past are put on him, and I think he's dealt with it pretty, pretty well. And so I think the combination of him and Joe Douglas and, and knowing that okay, we got a lot of young guys and we got a boatload of draft picks and salary cap space. We can flip this thing pretty quick if we can execute on those things. So I think that's the key part of
2: this whole situation. Well, listen, um, hope springs eternal because otherwise it's just end the season again in 2021. Speaking of hope, but just out of curiosity, what's the temperature where you are right now? Oh, well, it,
1: in my music room where you see the piano is it's is really it's toasty in here. Outside is a different story. Now nah. I'm seeing palm trees behind you, Trey. And see, you you're the type of guy, man. You send me those like these text messages and, and stuff like that from the beautiful golf courses. And bro, I've been wanting to come through the phone like, man, you SOB. <laughs>
2: Set with nothing man, but love, man. Set with nothing I know, but love. I know,
1: brother. I know brother man I know I know I know man I envy that I really do man but I know we're in we're in a season but we we get we definitely got to hit the links
2: absolutely well listen man it's always good to catch up with you and I know you had a busy day so I appreciate you carving out some time for us but uh, always enjoy our conversations and great to catch up with you and uh, we'll hit you up again uh, maybe later on down the road
0: okay sounds good man I appreciate it right, brother talk to you soon All right, man